Welcome to This Wildlife Podcast, a conservation podcast that brings you up to date with frontline conservation efforts from across the world. We talk with experts who have dedicated their lives to protect our beautiful planet. From wildlife vets to bush pilots to rangers leading anti-poaching operations and those working undercover to dismantle the illegal wildlife trade. We are This Wildlife Podcast and we're here to bring the wild to you. Welcome to another episode of this Wildlife Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Turner, and today we're actually going to speak to a previous guest, Simon Jones, CEO of Helping Rhinos. Now, if you haven't tuned into Simon's previous episode, please do. He talks about his reasons for starting Helping Rhinos. He, he also talks about a rhino poaching tragedy, which, which really was the catalyst for starting the organisation. And Helping Rhinos is an organisation whose number one aim is to secure the funding required for flagship rhino conservation projects across Africa to continue their work. Helping Rhinos' major partners include Alpegeta Conservancy in Kenya, the Black Mambas All-Female Anti-Poaching Unit in South Africa, the Zululand Rhino Orphanage, um, amongst many others. Now, it's just under two years since I last spoke to Simon, and today I thought it'd be fascinating to get an update on how COVID-19 has affected helping rhinos and their partners, kind of touch on the current poaching statistics in South Africa, and I know they have an epic event coming up, which everyone across the globe can join in on, so we'll also talk about that. So Simon, what a pleasure it is to chat again. Let's dive straight in. Could you give us a bit of an update about what's happened in the past two crazy years at Helping Rhinos? Thanks, Amy. I mean, it's, yes, you're right. It's been, what I suppose, coming up for two years um, since we last spoke um, on one of these podcasts. Um, and I guess so much has happened in the world as a whole in those two years, so much that we could never have ever envisaged. Um, and that's definitely had an impact on on the world of a whole and and certainly on us as an organization and some positive and 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 some obviously not so positive um i mean i guess over that period of time what what's actually really nice for us as a an organization is from a fundraising perspective we've continued to grow year on year um through even through the, the covid pandemic um so I think when we last spoke, we were probably thinking we were sitting on the edge of a cliff and wondering, are we going to fall off that cliff in terms of, in terms of you know money funds that we're raising, you know? And and I guess just as a, a reminder, as an as an international NGO, our key role is essentially raising the funds for our project teams on the ground to be able to do what they do. Um, so to be able to continue to grow and raise more money every year during the pandemic is has been um, fantastic for us and you know and the pandemics has been responsible for some of that because you know we a lot of our funding came from like in-person events that we held in london every year and we've had to switch those to become you know online only events or, or the, the new term hybrid events and and that means we could have opened up the audio a whole new audience at those events um, you know we have people tuning in from all around the world so i think that's really helped um but but there's no doubt 
you know, there's the challenges have been with our, our teams on the ground and our partners um, who, who we work with, um, you know, a lot of their day-to-day -day funding comes from ecotourism and people going on safari and the conservation levies that people pay when they stay in the camps. And that was switched off overnight. So that's been a real, a real challenge for everyone on the ground. And, and that means that they rely more on organizations like Helping Rhinos than ever before to try and raise the funding to, to try and fill some of those, those gaps. So the type of our partners, you know, we've, as we spoke about before, people like the Black Mambas, the all-female anti-poaching unit, you know, our rhino orphanage, um, the guys down in the Eastern Cape looking at that. So I think that's, um, that's been a real challenge because, because of where we're going, where, what did they do? You know, we, the poaching, and we'll talk about the poaching, I guess, in a little bit, but that's, that's again, we saw a, a dip in poaching during the lockdown period because people couldn't move around so easily. The international borders were closed. Um, but but you've got to bear in mind as, as to what that drives. And, you know, now we're seeing a, a spike in poaching once again, particularly in some areas in, in, in South Africa, for example. So, um, so it's been a real challenge, I think, over the course of the low two years with some learnings that will help us going forward. Um, but we're still, we're still kind of, working our way through the challenges of, of two years with no ecotourism. And in terms of the operational impact of COVID-19, what does that look like on the ground? Have, have services been stripped back? Um, yeah, could you could you tell us about that? Yeah, so, I mean, everything's been stripped, or was stripped down to the bare minimums. You know, we still want to, we have to keep the anti-poaching patrols going, but, you know, we've looked at how do we do that at reducing the costs as much as possible. Um, you know, there was a lot of focus, of the, not within the anti-poaching areas, but in our areas, people being laid off, even temporarily until the tourists come back. And then now you've got a situation where you've got local people with an, a real insight and knowledge of the operations of conservation work, who are essentially struggling for to make ends meet and put food on the table. So suddenly we were looking at actually delivering food parcels and things like that, just so that people could actually still eat and still at least live and survive, you know, without feeling the need, they need to turn to, to other means just, just to put, just to put food in their mouth. So, and that's been really difficult. And of course, the longer it went on, the, the worse it was getting. Um, um, and we were having to cut costs back more and more. So, so it's been a, it has been the most difficult period. I mean, I've had conversations with people, on the ground, the most lively, positive people. And, you know, they're literally at, at the end of their tethers. You know, I think one person even said to me, kind of, we're just waiting for the bank to come and take the keys, you know. Now, fortunately, that never happened. So, so, and that that puts pressure on on them. You can only imagine what that feels like because it, it, it's bad enough if it's just you as an individual. But when you're responsible for the wildlife and the wild spaces, then that's, that's a, a huge weight of responsibility on someone's shoulders and um, and it's been tough and it has been really tough over the last couple of years. Yeah it's certainly a dire situation and throughout Covid I saw appeals from a number of conservation organisations asking for donations because without the tourism they were going to cease to operate anymore. But in terms of seeing the light, is there a bit of a time lag of seeing the benefits of the world seemingly coming out of the COVID crisis? Or are you feeling 
the positive effects already? There is a bit of a time lag for sure. Um, but I think what we're seeing now is people are, are traveling again. So the, the, the reserves that we're working with, with conservation projects are on are us are, get, are seeing tourism come back and and even just people go booking safaris and paying deposits makes it makes a, a difference um so so we're definitely over the worst of it fingers crossed let's let's hope there's there's nothing else around the corner from a covid perspective um so we're we're definitely they are over the worst of it and you can just see that in people as well but there is still a massive challenge um, to get through the next 12 months, I would say, at least, until you get that whole cycle coming back. And, and, and as I said, you know, that's just focusing on the tourism side of things. There's an element of fundraising that goes on that they rely on, um, you know, and certainly we as an NGO, as I mentioned before, relies on that tourism. So that's when you is now it's not just COVID. You know, now we have other things going on in the world, like the, the, um, the war in Ukraine is having a, from a, international NGO perspective, I actually think it's going to have a bigger impact on us than COVID did. Um, people are, people are, are certainly looking at that and completely understandably want to throw any available income they have at, at supporting those poor people um, whose lives have been turned upside down out of the blue. And then on, on top of that, you've got energy prices going up certainly here in the UK and around the world. So people's disposable income is less as well. So, so you know, during COVID, we had a number of our supporters were actually giving us more money because they couldn't go out and they couldn't spend their money. So they had more disposable income, um, which again helped fill some of the, the gaps that the, the lack of tourism had, whereas now it's in the, the reverse of that. So, so it, it does seem to be one thing after another at the moment that's being sent to try us. So, Simon, at risk of going from the bad to the worse, let's chat about the recent South African rhino poaching statistics that were published last year. I distinctly remember looking at the stats and feeling my heart drop. You know, what's yours and helping rhino stance on these figures? Yeah, so um, I, I kind of, as I alluded to earlier, we saw during the, the, the lockdown period, poaching dropped right down and we saw that in the twenty. 20, sorry, the 2020 numbers. 2021, as international borders started to open up and you know lockdowns were eased, um, we've definitely seen a spike in poaching. We were expecting it, to be fair. I think everyone, everyone we spoke to was was convinced that that would happen, and and we we did see that. Um, just we we had a bit of a, a, a lull, but the, the poaching syndicates didn't didn't go away and close down in that period of time. We saw in you know in December we, we you know South Africa um, talked about record numbers of rhinos found within a, within a sort of a two, two to three day period. We're talking about sort of 24, 26 rhinos discovered within that period. You know that's that's devastating for for everybody involved that's put so much effort in over the last ten to fifteen years in in trying to control that. Right now we're seeing more and more reports of increased poaching activity, particularly in KwaZulu-Natal and Kukuri and Falozi. So it's how do we get on top of that? So there is, there's a lot more to rhino conservation than poaching, um, but but don't for one minute think poaching has, has gone away just because those numbers we look at have gone down, you know, and, it, and it, I've seen some people try and put even positive spins because 2020, as I said, the numbers did drop and then they went back up again in 2021. And I saw people trying to talk around 
those numbers were still lower than they were in the sort of if you took the covid lull out of it the numbers were still but we're seeing an increase in the in the wrong way in particularly in certain areas and we just have to remain vigilant um we have to continue doing what we've been doing in terms of boots on the ground anti poaching patrols looking at new technology um that we can use um you know looking at intelligence gathering um, all of that is is critically important that we maintain that. And as I said before, that challenge has been because of because of the lack of tourism during COVID. That, that available funding within the conservation is going to take conservation world is going to take time to build back up again. So it's kind of incumbent on all of us to to make sure that we're still providing the best protection we possibly can and better than we've even been before. Well, if anyone had any doubt that they needed to support rhino conservation organisations like Helping Rhinos, then I'm sure those doubts are gone. We must do anything and everything we can on an individual level to support. And with that, moving on to something hopefully much lighter. Simon, I understand you've been out in the South African bush having a fantastic time. But can you tell us what you're up to out there? Well, well, firstly, I was having a wonderful time in Africa, and it was the first time in over two years that I've been able to visit our project teams on the ground um, because of the COVID travel restrictions. So, actually, and until you got back out there, I didn't even realise just how much you miss being back out in the field and seeing rhinos roaming around and, and talking to the guys on the ground. Um, so, so that was first and foremost absolutely amazing to to be back out in the field again. Um, but it wasn't just to go so I could have a nice time and feel good about being back in the field. Um, so we have a, a few things going on at the moment. So so one thing we've really been focusing on a lot during the, the, the sort of two years of COVID is we talked a lot around poaching, but loss of habitat is a massive impact for rhinos as well. So we've been focusing on what we're calling our Rhino Strongholds Initiative, which is range expansion, bringing new land into rhino conservation, creating corridors, dropping fences, and that's that's incredibly important for long-term successful rhino populations in their natural habitat. Um, so what we were looking at is on the, actually I had a, a, a took a, a film crew with me, um, including um, Megan McCubbin, who people might know from Spring Watch or On This Morning, um, if you're listening to this in the UK. Um, and actually, so we were making a series of films that will put, form an event that we're having um, on the 21st of May that we've called Room to Roam, because that's essentially what we're trying to do is create room for, for rhinos to roam in. Um, and of course, not just rhinos, but if we're creating that space for rhinos, we're creating it for, for all the other wildlife as well. Um, so we're incredibly excited. We've got um, we've got a we've filmed a, a translocation of a crash of rhinos, um, and it's a very special crash of rhinos that's, that was on the Kreka Game Reserve in, in Eastern Cape of South Africa. Um, so we're moving them into a new piece of land that's just been bought into into the the reserve. So that's very exciting. We were there with Dr. Will Folds, the wildlife vet, who I'm I'm sure some of your listeners will will know of. So that was very exciting. We also have another film looking at some of the, the research and the scientific approach to wildlife conservation and how that links in and 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 even linking that to our Eyes in the Sky program that we that we run. Um, so we went up with Siseko the pilot and did a whole film around you know what what his role is as in as a pilot. And 
Um, and then we've got an, another film coming up as well, which is around, we actually just funded the opening, uh, the building of a, a new school um, in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, now, now, I've had a few people say to me, what's that got to do with rhino conservation? But that engagement of local people into wildlife conservation is incredibly important. So while I was out there, we actually had the opening of that school. So we had all the local community. We actually had one of the Zulu Kings, Kings come along as well as six of the um, the lo local community. So so we filmed that and you'll people who tune in will be able to to see that opening, um, you know, and then the strong messaging from the local from the king and for the the local community chiefs and leaders was incredibly important. And that tells you how how important getting them on board is. Um, and any other part of that film, because you know we're looking at kids and human youngsters and what their journey into the big bad world is and hopefully the big good world going forward um but that kind of links to our orphanage as well and we were with rhino orphan leko um uh, filming with him as well and and following his journey and what he's going through so we definitely have some cute r factors so um so if, yeah anyone's listening wants to see those films um you can head over to their helping rhinos website and room to roam um, you can't. It's on the homepage. You can't miss all the links on the, on there as well, um, and and the tickets are free. So um, so you can just register for your ticket, um, and we'll send you the links. Unless you'd like to meet and greet, um, we will be live with our experts in South Africa after. So we do have some meet and greet tickets where you join them via a Zoom link afterwards. So um, so we're really excited about that because I think it's it's getting back to you know, sharing some positive messages as well as the importance of why we're doing it. But but hopefully the idea is we're kind of transporting people back out to Africa and, and having them take part in in some some really outstanding and amazing experiences that we're bringing. So I'm really excited about that. And 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 it's all you know linked to it. We have our auction, which you can imagine again, you can find all the links we've got. You can actually win in the auction um the opportunity to to go on safari with Will Folds and actually go on a rhino procedure with him. So you go and actually do a fit a tracking device on a rhino. We've got all those things. We've got amazing safari at Kreka and 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 also as well as the auction. I, I should say some amazing artwork and such like. So yeah, bronzes being made specifically just of Tandy um, for this event. Um, so that's very exciting, but. And there's also a prize draw. So for £10 per entry, you can win a, a safari in KwaZulu-Natal and actually go and meet um, Leko and our new little orphan Tweed as well. So, and, and the orphanage isn't open to the public, so it's a real money-can't-buy opportunity. So £10. If I was allowed, I would buy a few tickets for £10. I'm 100% <laughs> there. I bought two raffle tickets at last year's Helping Rhino fundraiser. And sadly, I didn't win, but some lucky person did. So I'm going to try again this time. But there's loads for us at home to get involved with. This is a direct way to have an impact, a positive impact on rhino conservation. And what a better way to spend £10. I mean, quite literally in the UK, it's a couple of coffees. So... <laughs> no, absolutely and for this you can you can go and meet rhino orphans and go on safari but um yeah I, I genuinely just hope that people people want to tune in and people enjoy what we're putting on because that's an important part of what we do is is bringing conservation work to life and i think you know in this time covid still does anything actually don't you, know, you can do that remotely as well so um, i've seen some 
some first drafts of the films and I think I, I really think people will enjoy them. Well, thanks very much for the update. I'll certainly be at the Helping Rhinos event, so check out all of the details in the episode description for everyone at home. Thanks again, Simon. Brilliant. Thanks, Amy. Bye. You've listened to this wildlife podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our work, please do check us out on thiswildlifepodcast.org. And you can find that link alongside our social media links in the podcast description. We want these vital conservation messages shared far and wide. So if you fancy it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and please do subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. It's a pleasure to have you with us on this journey. And remember, we're here to bring the wild to you.